I got a really funny email after the last podcast where apparently the guest was a little quiet, so somebody oh, had yeah. to turn up the volume, and they asked if we could adjust for levels around laughter because it was hurting the person's eardrums, and I was, wrote awesome. back and was like, that's most likely my laughter. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about your eardrums. <laughs> Monitor for that in the future. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. And we got a pre-roll. All right. Yay! <laughs> he sounds so much more... The Olympia Standard. The Olympia Standard. The Olympia Standard. Proper, but tell us... The Welcome to the Olympia Standard. I'm Danny Madrone. I'm Emmett O'Connell. This podcast is a calm, reasoned conversation about local issues in Olympia, Washington. Calm and reasoned. Yeah. Uh, calm. Okay. So over the past couple of months, we've been doing a series of episodes on downtown Olympia featuring business owners, service providers, residents, and somebody who has some apprehension about coming downtown. Um, and the, dis- the perspectives on downtown Olympia are very broad, and we've barely scratched the surface with these interviews. But we hope we've helped our listeners expand their own perspectives by hearing other people's thoughts and experiences. To conclude this series... We have with us two people who work for the city of Olympia in the downtown core. Amy Buckler is the downtown programs manager, and Max DeJarnet uh, has the great pleasure of working on parking policy. Um, could you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and uh, talk, tell us about your roles uh, with the city? Sure. Uh, so my name is Amy Buckler. Uh, my title is downtown programs manager in community planning and development. Uh, I've worked for the city for about 12 years and came into my recent position last year after leading the process to develop our downtown strategy, which was adopted by the city council in 2017. So downtown programs is new. Uh, it's you know intended to cement our commitment to downtown. Our program coordinates citywide actions to implement the strategy. Uh, and houses several programs that support downtown, like our downtown ambassadors, our clean team. We have a liaison to the downtown business community. And we have a role in parking strategy implementation and the citywide response to homelessness. I just wanted to add that I chose my career in local government because I wanted to serve my community 40 hours a week. And I really do love the work. And it can be quite challenging. And you only do 40 hours a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. More. 40 to 60. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'm Max DeJarnett, and I've been with the city for almost two years now. Uh, I've been in the position of parking program analyst for uh, almost a year. And I took the position. It's a new position that's part of the uh, updated draft parking strategy, with which uh, council is uh, scheduled to consider adopting this Tuesday, which I think is going to be the day after the podcast uh, comes out. So, yeah. um, so for the listeners, that's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that'll be uh, April 16th. Um, it's a, a great opportunity, and I, I, I love uh, the job. Parking is a really um, has long been a contentious issue in Olympia, and it draws out a lot of um, fraud emotions, and it's obviously vital to uh, the success of the downtown economy. All right. And it's funny because parking's come up a couple of times in the perspectives we've done, but it's been more of like a side conversation because homelessness has been uh, kind of dominating the field of controversy downtown. So, Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, when we survey uh, people in Olympia, I mean, parking really does rate 
very high among the barriers people have to coming downtown and enjoying mm -hmm. it. Um, so we're really keeping that in mind as we advance the strategy. All right. So is there any story you can tell about how downtown has evolved over the years? Yeah. So when I was uh, working on the downtown strategy, I had the opportunity to read 90 plans and studies about no. downtown since the <laughs> 1940s. Um, it was, was, so since the 19, so there was a downtown plan in the 1940s? Yeah, that's Whoa. when kind of planning started. I told you Emmett was going to be. <laughs> you should see what they that's say about so parking. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was still controversial then. But interestingly, you know, back in the 50s, our community really had no idea that downtown would ever change. And when they were looking into the future in their plans, they thought that downtown was going to be the central business district and the industrial center like into perpetuity. So our community was really not prepared for what happened in the 60s when the sawmills on the port closed and South Sound Mall opened up in Lacey and all the department stores started to leave downtown and went to the malls. Uh, by the 1970s, downtown was in a really hard place. Uh, it was really in decline and it took a lot of proactive planning by the city, other partners like the Port of Olympia and Thurston Regional Planning Council. Downtown business owners were very involved and community members. And those that planning process, uh, many planning processes, set the path for the renaissance that we're seeing today. I think one of your guests spoke to it, but there was a time in the 80s and 90s when, you know, there was the thought that state offices were the key to downtown success. Mm -hmm. uh, but even more so, uh, it's been long recognized that we need more people living in downtown in order for this to be truly an active urban hub that we envision. Um, since the 1980s, the public sector has invested millions of dollars to create great public spaces in our downtown, like um, a redone Percival Landing, Heritage Park and Fountain, Port Plaza. And the intent was to create great public spaces for people, but also to uh, provide the amenities that would spur housing development. And so we stacked up these amenities, we put these incentives in place to make housing development more feasible, like a 10-year property tax exemption and lower impact fees. But there was still this problem that we didn't have a development project to prove the market, to prove to banks um, that lend to developers that Olympia had a market for apartments with average rents and you know ground floor retail. So that was what was so important about one, two, three, fourth, and that was a very intentional public-private partnership. Uh, so the intent was to prove that there was a market for that kind of housing. Um, the city provided the land, which made the project feasible to develop. And then once it was developed and leased, there was finally a way for us to prove that there was demand. And so since that project came in, we've seen a lot of additional development happening in the downtown. In fact, uh, since 2015, we've added or is underway 550 new residential units in the downtown, which wow. is very wow. significant. And, and the goal for downtown is? Uh, we want downtown to absorb 25% uh, of our population growth over the next 20 years. So that equates to about 5,000 new residents overall. And how does that equate to in terms of units? Well, right. I think you could look at uh, about 1.5 people per okay. unit is probably good for averaging. So, okay. you know. And, and we're drawing the lines around that goal, like the geographic lines around that goal of 5,000. How many people live inside that area now? 
Uh, I think the 2010 census had about 1,200 people living in downtown. So we'll have to wait for the next census to be able to know. But I think it's safe to say there's probably at least 700 and, you know, uh, 50 more people living in downtown okay. with the number of units. So if I could just speak to the history of parking in Olympia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, in the uh, in the, the 30s, you know, they're, you know, we're in the Depression, uh, but also automobile culture is becoming more saturated, more commonplace. Um, and the wind-up parking meters actually uh, first installed in Oklahoma. There was a um, state Supreme Court in Washington um, you know, while parking meters are becoming ubiquitous across the states, the state, uh, this state hadn't actually seen installation. There was actually a, ca a court case um, uh, in, against the city of Spokane for their plan to install parking meters. The shop owner thought it would impede his ability to get to his store. The state Supreme Court ruled against him. And very quickly after, this was in 41, um, Mayor uh, Trulinger actually uh, installed parking meters in downtown Olympia in the core. And actually, Olympia was the first city in the state to install parking meters. Mm. Um, and he was actually able to uh, run his reelection campaign in part uh, due to fixing the parking problem by, <laughs> by bringing uh, paid parking to downtown. I mean, parking was truly a mess before paid parking. People were double parking all over the place. Uh, it was uh, pandemonium. So they were able to <laughs> add the paid parking. And you'll see in surveys, um, you know, in interviews by the Olympian that people really uh, found that it helped them find places uh, quickly and efficiently. No more, you know, circling the block, spending a lot of extra time and gas. So there really was a, you know, it, it was a, a, a great exercise in bringing uh, demand-based pricing in to the equation and, and solving some congestion issues. So... Um, but in the 70s, in the period of decline that Amy mentioned, uh, when we see, you know, suburbanization and people leaving, uh, you know, industry drying up and um, alternatives existing outside of the core, uh, the city actually backed off and, and removed some of these meters. In 94, uh, actually, Olympia expanded time limits from two hours to three hours. Uh, 99, uh, there was a meter expansion outside of the core. And then uh, in 2000, it wasn't until 2010 that we brought paid parking back to the, the core with the pay stations. And that was a $1 per hour that we see today. So we haven't seen a price increase since that time. So that's sort of the brief history. Of was that controversial? Paid parking? I think oh I remember God. that. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll hear people that are scared that, it, that it'll keep people from coming downtown. Well, of course, there's the other argument made by Trillinger back in the 40s that, no, this being able to uh, charging for parking was going to allow people to find parking more reliably. Well, it sounds like you guys have gotten a chance to listen to at least some of the past episodes that we've done on downtown Olympia. Uh, do you have any reflections you'd like to offer? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, there was one thing that came up that I'd love to speak to, and then I kind of noticed a couple themes. Um, one that thing that came up was, you know, what's the relationship between the city and the county in terms of housing development and development in general? And, you know, I just wanted to let your listeners know that um, there is a fundamental relationship there. Un under uh, state law, all jurisdictions in Thurston County's plans have to be coordinated. Uh, and there's a requirement that we focus population and job growth into our urban areas so that we can keep the rural areas rural for Broken habitat and critical areas. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's very formalized. Um, anyone who wants to know what it looks like should read the Sustainable Thurston Plan, which is a just, I think, a beautiful expression of how all our land use, transportation, economic development, environmental protection um, kind of 
plans and strategies relate. And of course, our downtown strategy rests right into that and, you know, is consistent with the Sustainable Thurston Plan. A couple themes that I noticed um, in the podcast are, you know, downtown be as always being in flux. And I think that's totally true. I mean, this is a dynamic environment. It's always going to be in flux. But getting the market rate housing is, was a really big milestone uh, and I think really propelled us into the renaissance that I think we're in today. And then another theme is just safety in downtown. And I hope that we'll get to talk more about that. Oh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll come up. It's a big okay. theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I listen to the podcast, um, which I'm a big fan of, I'm always listening uh, with an ear for when you talk about parking. And so... Um, <laughs> And I just need to. Do you to, play a drinking game? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't you know, have that many drinks because I feel like uh, parking could. Uh, I I just want to dig in deeper on parking because it's a real it's a real significant issue for a lot of folks downtown. For you know, obviously for residents, for employees, for business owners, and uh, it's important to make the distinction um, for organizations or businesses that don't have dedicated parking because in a historic downtown. Um, you know, a lot of our businesses don't have dedicated parking, so yeah. they really rely. Oh, residents too. Oh, residents yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they really rely on on you know us, the city, uh, for coming up with a, co- a comprehensive plan to addressing parking uh, demand. You know, when we talk about um, a, like an urban neighborhood feel or pedestrian experience. Not having enough parking, in my opinion, really sort of detracts from that experience. Um, you know, currently we have a lot of surface lots, so you know these are really unsightly and unsafe. Uh, we'd like to see surface lots redeveloped into higher and better use. Um, but if we don't have enough parking, then we obviously have you know congestion issues. People are going to be circling the block, trying to find places to park, so that leads to you know um, you know frustrated drivers, uh, but also unsafe environment for people to walk around and enjoy downtown living. Um, and then of course there's the aspect of uh, struggling economy. So if you, know, you can't reliably find parking for customers and customers are going to seek other places to go spend their dollars. So really, you know, when we talk about expanding the parking supply, which, you know, is a, it is a component of the parking strategy, how it really supports the downtown strategy is that we will uh, have predictable parking for people so that it's going to reduce the congestion. You can drive directly to their destination in a parking structure and then park once and then go enjoy multiple destinations in a downtown. You're talking about like a parking garage when you say a parking structure? Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Some, some, something that's uh, that dense and structured. Uh, that It's not a sea of cars like you'll see a surface parking yeah. uh, lot. It seems like somebody would also have like certainty like, oh, I'll just go here and park. Exactly. Oh, so yeah. I, I know where to park. And then of course, you know, with our design standards, the first floor is going to be something that's activated for pedestrian use. So this could be like, you know, commercial use or civic use or something that's that's you're not looking at parked cars when you drive by it. So it's going to have less of that negative impact of, you know, of a surface lot. But additionally, if we can uh, have enough parking availability, then we can continue our progress in sort of unbundling parking from housing. So folks can pay for housing and not have to pay for parking. Parking will be available for those who need to opt in elsewhere in the system. So somebody could opt to not have a car and then not have to pay for a place to keep a car. That's correct. So one great example uh, would be the Washington Center, who, you know, heart of downtown, they have no dedicated parking and they bring hundreds of people downtown for a performance. Uh, And so this is impacting the entire, the whole system and really our arts and entertainment, uh, you know, district relies on these visitors having a positive experience. So we can't simply say, you know, ride a bus or ride a bike these are visitors coming downtown to spend hundreds of dollars in tickets and then, of course, in you know meals at restaurants and ice cream after and what have you. So 
having reliable parking, predictable parking in our downtown core is just going to be vital for us. Yeah. So both of you are working on long-term planning for downtown. Uh, can you share with us some of the things you're working on and how you try to balance the different needs, desires, and impacts in downtown? Yeah. So um, our downtown strategy, which we're working to implement, uh, aims to move forward our community's vision for downtown. So, you know, we want an active, attractive, walkable downtown. It's a retail and entertainment destination where the businesses are thriving, 5,000 new residents. Of course, we want to preserve special qualities like our historic fabric and our amazing views and access to the water. Um, And so the downtown strategy considers all of those goals uh, and identifies actions for the next five or so years for moving that forward. And we're working on those things. We have some streetscape improvements that we're working on designs for. So in 2020, you'll see a new raised intersection on Legion Avenue by the Washington Center that's going to be beautiful and able to be closed down and function as a public space for special events. You'll see uh, in 2021, uh, Frank, two blocks of Franklin Street, completely, you know, the streetscape completely redone, much more pedestrian friendly. Uh, a little bit longer in the planning pipeline is uh, getting a protected bike lane on Washington Street from the Washington Center all the way to the farmer's market that links oh. up to our bike corridor that goes from Lions Park to Sylvester Park. Uh, and then uh, the biggest one is uh, completely redoing the streetscape of Capitol Way from Legion to State Avenue to really accentuate the pedestrian experience. So all of those things are planned. Another big thing that people talked about in the strategy is desire for a family-friendly waterfront. You might remember what the isthmus looked like a couple years ago. Well, the city has purchased two purchased two buildings and tore them down. Um, that they were blighted buildings and made some interim park improvements. We have our parks department that's um, had a great uh, ice skating rink there this winter, and now there's a pump track. So we're really trying to activate the waterfront. Is that, is that the idea? It's going to be like seasonal changing activities downtown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For at least for now, at some point we'll do like a bigger master plan for the isthmus okay gotcha. Um, and then we're also want to focus on the entire waterfront with our partners the public sector owns most of the waterfront in downtown Mm -hmm. Uh, so we really want to synchronize its look and feel and make it more beautiful because that's a great destination for our citizens and also for visitors who are coming to olympia to be able to enjoy that can link up with the sea level rise adaption strategy that was just adopted by council a couple weeks ago and we had we uh uh, for our listeners, if you're interested in that, uh, we have we did do an episode on sea level rise with Andy Hobb, um, so you can find that one on our website. I don't remember which one it is. Awesome. <laughs> um, you know, another big aspect of our uh, downtown strategy uh, has to do with arts, culture, and heritage, and we actually did a second arts, culture, and heritage plan that we just hired a a new person to help us implement, and we're working on um, having a, a creative district designation for downtown, which is a new program under the state that will give us some gravitas and maybe help us with partnerships and funding to get some things done. We are going to have to take some proactive steps to really um, bring our vision of an art tech area kind of, you know, near the the port area to life and and have that eclectic mix of technology and opportunities for artists with the kind of a tourist component there. Um, So those are things that we're going to be working on. In terms of those things, you know, I think uh, there, obviously there's a lot of goals that we have for downtown, and it's important to keep the big strategy in mind because 
when you get to a project level, you're not able to prioritize all those goals in every project. So you do have to start to make some trade-offs. For example, with the protected bike lane on Washington Avenue, um, that may take out some parking stalls. But what you get Max, is a... <laughs> so bad. I'll get to that. I'll sorry, get to that. Max. <laughs> No, but you good. get this great <laughs> family-friendly bike lane, and it looks beautiful. Um, and maybe that parking can be resupplied somewhere else, like in a structured parking. But in order to get that built, uh, there may be a building in that area that has to take get taken down that maybe has some historic significance but isn't you know, to the level of being fully protected. Um, but what you get is an activated street corner, parking for employees and visitors that support the shops and restaurants in downtown. Um, somewhere else, there may be a very important historic building that we're going to preserve, so an apartment complex can't go there. Um, but what you get is a slice of our history, affordable retail space, a really interesting pedestrian facade. So I just think that it's really important for people to keep the bigger strategy in mind. Uh, and what we're trying to do is look at, uh, you know, out of all the goals that we could achieve with this particular project, what's going to be the best representation so that as you start to put them all together in the end, you have something, you know, the best representation of our goals and something really special for downtown. I hate to go on and on, but I did have to mention the other thing that I'm working on that's really important is a, a homeless response plan. We are working on um, developing a community-led uh long-term, you know, strategies and actions plan around homelessness. Uh, part of that is bringing in the voice of the community. Another part is really developing those regional partnerships, and we're working in close coordination with Thurston County, uh, really uh, more than we have in a long time, to coordinate their efforts with our efforts, and the other jurisdictions are also getting involved. And we have a community work group of 12 really diverse community members with different perspectives and experience that are helping us shape that process to help make sure that it's inclusive and really brings in the broad uh, diversity of voices that we have in our community. We're only at the beginning stages of that, but that's going to be really important um, for us regionally and, and also obviously in downtown as the, the issue impacts downtown. Yeah. Yeah. So as I m mentioned earlier, I'm working on the parking strategy. Olympia's last parking strategy was adopted in 2008. And uh, since then, a lot's changed. And so this parking strategy is really meant to support our downtown strategy. And parking obviously plays a role a lot of aspects of a growing downtown. It supports the economy, uh, transportation, and housing. Um, like we mentioned, downtown's growing really rapidly, so we do need to find some solutions to where all these cars are going to go. Um, you know, the focus or w one of the major aspects is to prioritize the on and off street parking so that on street is prioritized for short term users like our visitors, you know, uh, theater attendees. Um, and, you know, loading and unloading is increasingly important, especially mm -hmm. for, um, you know, uh, passenger like Lyft and Uber or commercial loading. Uh, and then off street, we want to prioritize for the longer term cars that are being essentially stored. So these would be uh, employees and residents. Um, and we're going to do that with a couple different ways. I mean, obviously you use pricing like Trulinger did back in the 40s um, to use demand based pricing, encourage people to find the places that are more most economical for them. Uh, and then a, a lot of other creative ways to use existing resources uh, to activate certain pathways or to um, share parking facilities with uh, some other businesses that may not be using their facilities uh, during certain hours. So uh, there's a really sort of all-in approach the strategy is taking towards addressing the parking demand. 
So, um, so how does the downtown that we have today, right now, compare with these visions that you guys have laid out about the future of downtown? What are the gaps between what we have and what we what we want? So the vision that's articulated in the downtown strategy is really uh, a vision that evolved from a lot of plans over a lot of years and involved thousands of people, thousands of citizens. So it's really a community vision. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and... You know, the whole goal of our downtown strategy is to make strategic investments that move toward our vision. So I do think that we are getting closer, and that's that's where we want to be. Um, but, you know, there is a gap, and I think the biggest gap we have right now is the negative perception of downtown. Uh, a lot of people don't feel safe coming in downtown. The special thing that downtown has to offer is a unique experience that you can't find shopping online or in other urban hubs as great as they are in our region. Um, But if people are too put off or afraid to invest their time and money in that experience, then we have a problem. So the gap for, from my perspective, is actually the declining parking supply. So, you know, over the last eight years, we've counted about 340 stalls that have been removed uh, and replaced with development. A lot of this is housing. This is obviously positive from the perspective of a you know, growing downtown, but you know, it's it's a real concern when you bring more bodies into the downtown, you bring more parking demand and oh, that supply just went the opposite direction. So obviously that's you know what the parking the parking uh, uh, strategy is meant to really address. So do you guys talk about downtown a lot when like people bring it up with you? Like you must talk about downtown a lot. It's oh, like all we ever talk yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> people must have like a lot of positive things to say. But I mean, just in the off chance that the people you hear when you hear criticisms of downtown, because I mean, in the rare in the rare opportunities, what's the general sense? I mean, we were just talking about perceptions. What's the common criticism that you hear? And and how do you? I mean, you must have have a repertoire of like stuff that you you say now. I mean, what? How do you speak to these concerns? Mm-hmm. And do you think they? I mean. Do you think these concerns come from a valid spot? Yeah. I mean, the two big things that we often hear uh, concerns about are parking and homelessness. When people talk about not feeling safe in downtown, they often couch that in stories about interactions with people experiencing homelessness. I like to think about the issues as more related to street dependency because not everyone experiencing homelessness does these things and not everyone doing these things is homeless, but the concerns are, you know, range from panhandling to seeing drug use to concerns about drug sales, behaviors associated with drug use. Can you clarify real quick? Wait, yeah. What do you mean when you say street dependency and like, and how that's different from homelessness? People that are dependent on the street for their, you know, economic, social, environmental needs. They okay, may have gotcha. a home, but they're coming downtown, they're spending all day there. And maybe they're engaging in some of these behaviors that people are concerned about. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people have concerns when they are witnessing somebody having a mental health crisis. Maybe they're talking to themselves or they're screaming uh, on a street corner. Um, And the unmanaged encampments and the garbage um, that they see associated with that are, are very concerning for people. Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody has a personal perception of safety. So, you know, of course, their personal perceptions are valid. And I think that also truly, I mean, there have been some authentically scary experiences. I think you had a guest on here that talked about one of those. 
What I do see missing, though, are, you know, positive stories about downtown that are happening every day. And I think sometimes you get on social media and talk about negative things that have happened in downtown over five to 10 years and all get strung together. And it sort of spins into a a very negative vortex. So it was a little, um, I don't know if disappointing is the right word, but uh, Parking used to be the thing that everybody really railed about, and now it's sort of number two. But it's still something. Are you, are you happy about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So and with sea level rise, you'll soon be three. <laughs> We're winners yeah. here. But it still frustrates people. So, um, but you know, we hear a lot of criticisms, and of course, it's really not our job to you know say a criticism is is valid or invalid. I mean. You know, we'll hear from time to time that, um, you know, parking should be free and that would fix everything. And, you know, I think we've seen and most cities have seen that, you know, and we actually have a, a saying around the department that there's no such thing as free parking because, you know, ultimately somebody pays for parking somehow, either in you know the cost of overhead that's built into your hamburger or, um, you know, the time you spend or the gas you spend driving around for parking. So, well, um, I mean, even just the decline in property values because you're spending so much of your landscape on parking. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. Right. You know, the the... Parking strategy, you know, clearly recognizes that that um, there's a, a cost associated with parking, and the users of parking should be paying that cost. You know, to get to the point about, uh, you know, about perceptions of, of safety, uh, there there's a pretty illustrative point in our um, survey that we uh, did to develop the strategy, and that was ask folks, you know, is there enough parking downtown? And the respondents split into two pretty distinct camps. You know, some felt that, oh yes, there's enough parking, you just need to be willing. Uh, to walk a few blocks. Well, then some, you know, the other camp said, uh, you know, no, there's clearly not enough parking. And so if we look at our occupancy data, you know, that we, you know, you know, we'll count every quarter or, you know, during this, the strategy development, we used license plate recognition to, to see where people are actually parking, you know, by the hour. You know, we saw there are some areas that are really underutilized. So there, there is parking in the system, on-street parking even. But the fact that people aren't willing to walk those few blocks really tells us that people aren't feeling safe walking those few blocks. So that's a really important aspect of the parking strategy. I think it's one that's really creative is, you know, maybe we can create some supply, uh, not by literally creating supply, but just by making those pathways uh, more pedestrian friendly. So can, we can, can you give an illustration of where that, where that would look like, where the parking is? And yeah, we want to know where the parking is, Max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so 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 north on Washington from Harlequin, for example. I mean, Harle- Har- Harlequin Theater, uh, the old state theater, um, it's on the corner of Washington and Fourth Avenue. Of course, there's a, a there's a, a a fairly large city-owned parking lot just north of the theater that they use. But if you go further north, you know, past the the bus station, it, it gets a little industrial there. It gets a little dark. People, you know, won't feel quite as comfortable parking. There's a lot of on-street. Parking there is really just a few blocks from the theater. But there's not a lot of people there. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's not, you know, it's not activated. There's not a lot of, um, you know, lit storefronts and so forth. And no eyes on the street. Exactly. Yeah. So um, what the parking strategy recommends is to use some of the parking funds. And this is, you know, if, if your listeners, your, your wonky listeners want to kind of dig into this, really recommend reading um, about Donald Shoup, who sort of spearheaded these ideas you know, back in the early 90s, was to use... You know, parking funds to reinvest in the the pathways or reinvest in the areas that the parking revenues come from. So, you know, we can actually 
make that parking accessible by investing in some lighting or some street improvements. So people now feel comfortable uh, parking in areas where they didn't previously. Well, um, we've asked each of our guests about their perception around safety downtown. Um, and we used the polling from the city in 2017, where 37% of people feel safe in downtown during night and 78% during the day. Um, how, did, how, how did you guys come up with these numbers? Uh, yeah, so the city hired Elway Research to conduct a statistically valid survey uh, that represented a <clears throat> demographic sample of Olympia. And so they did a phone survey. I know that they have a way to reach demographics of people that don't necessarily always have landlines. Um, like most yeah. people these days, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What, what are some of the specific things the city could do that would improve those numbers? Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we have done yeah. in the past year. Um, so we have some new programs that we've got up and running actually over the last couple years that are providing us with a much more robust set of tools for addressing issues in downtown that people often speak about that are contributing to their feelings of not feeling safe. Um, last year, we brought our downtown ambassadors in-house to the city and, like, improved that program. And then the f walking patrol started working full-time uh, in the summer. And then really new are two programs called Familiar Faces and mm -hmm. then our Crisis Response Crew. So Familiar Faces are uh, two peer navigators uh, that maybe have some experience in their life with homelessness or addiction that have identified two dozen or so of the most vulnerable, most difficult individuals who spend time in downtown. They may have co-occurring disorders, uh, mental health issues, um, substance abuse issues, uh, disabilities, um, these are people that are really vulnerable and are often using our emergency services system. They also may be the people that are talking to themselves or, you know, uh, making people feel uncomfortable screaming on a street corner. So what the peer navigators do is they're developing personalized relationships with these individuals on a day-to-day -day basis to help them reduce being in a crisis mode all the time and start to engage them in reunification with their families or getting into the mental health or substance abuse treatment uh, that will help them better their lives. So they've seen some successes with that already, getting people back to their families or into treatment. Um, that's the kind of work it takes for those individuals. I know a lot of people say, oh, you just put them in jail. And whether or not that's a good policy or not, it's actually you can't just do that to people that have mental illness. So, yeah. Th and that's is, kind of like involuntary uh, uh, commitment at a certain point, right? Yeah, they have to yeah. choose to do it on their own. Yeah. But a lot of times they may be in such a state that they, they really need that relationship with a friend that's on their side. And that's yeah. what the peer navigators are doing. Um, and then the crisis response crew, they are part of the police department. There's instances where, you know, there may be somebody having that crisis on the street and it's happening right then and there. You want to call the police, but the situation doesn't really warrant a law enforcement response. You need people that are trained social service providers to help de-escalate the situation, and that's what the crisis response crew can do, and they can help uh, get that person to uh, a better place for themselves and away from an area you know, in the heart of downtown that may be making people feel unsafe. 
Um, that but, was funded with the uh, public safety levy that we just voted on, right? Yes, yep. it was. Yep. And then the Familiar Faces is funded through a grant that we have. So anyway, we have these four programs, the Ambassadors, the Walking Patrol, Familiar Faces, and Crew. And there's this deep collaboration between these four programs. So, you know, we have a constant pulse on what's happening in downtown. We know who is downtown, and we know more and more about what it is that they're dealing with. And so we're constantly able to share information about, you know, how to best strategize around getting these people the help that they need and, you know, helping our community have a, a safer and more welcoming downtown. We're just we're just better equipped now. So, um the other thing that these additional programs do, does is it enables resources like the Walking Patrol and the Ambassadors to restore some of their originally intended business outreach functions and Got visitor it. outreach functions. So that's one new thing that we have going. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I think we all know that the unmanaged encampments uh, in downtown themselves uh, do not make people feel very safe. And it's not a very safe situation for the folks that are living in, in those situations either. Um, so, you know, with some of our emergency response at the city, I think we've made some headway in downtown and made some headway in providing safer options for people. Uh, and we've developed some strategies that we think are working for a segment of the population. So we have our Plum Street Village that just opened in February. That's a tiny house village behind the Ishiro Japanese Garden that serves uh, about 40 individuals with um, a tiny house and case management um, to help connect them to whatever it is they need. Is it a driver's license? Is it a job? Is it school? Um, and so people have started moving in. We're already seeing success stories where people are getting jobs or going into school. And there's even some people in there that are ready to leave and go into student housing. All of the people, no, sorry, most of the people that are in Plum Street Village came from the mitigation site downtown. Mm -hmm. And all of the people in the mitigation site came from an unmanaged encampment situation in downtown. So we established the mitigation site at Olympia and Franklin um, because we had to address the human suffering and the public health and safety concerns where they were at as quickly as we possibly could. And you've talked about it on your podcast, but, you know, we weren't able to to, you know, there was a, a court case that came out, um, Martin versus City of Boise, uh, that has since been reinterpreted. But at the time, you know, it sounded like it was really giving guidance that cities couldn't um, trespass people off of public property when there wasn't adequate shelter in the community. The other aspect to it is, you know, there are questions about whether a policy of just dispersing people uh, is really effective because they are just going to go somewhere else, and it's also traumatizing to them. But all those things are playing into it. Anyway, I did all that out, extra stuff out if you want. But we established the, the mitigation site. You can tell that it is a much safer, much more organized, much cleaner place than the unmanaged encampments. Um, we are in discussions. Thurston County is interested in potentially – standing up a mitigation site of their own. So we know we need more of these safe opportunities for people. Um, the thing about the mitigation site is what it did is enabled us to clear three unmanaged encampments in our downtown. So obviously the city of Olympia and regional partners have a lot more work to do to address homelessness throughout the region and not just in downtown. And, you know, of course, the strategy that I just mentioned doesn't work for everyone in the population. Um, that we ha there's, It's not one size fits all. We're going to mm -hmm. have to come up with some other 
programs um, and identify some of those gaps in our system. Um, our homeless response plan, you know, this is a process for us to start developing those long-term strategies and actions. So that's some of the work that we're embarking on already now. Um, and I think, you know, within that, one of the things I'm hearing with a lot of the public comments that are coming in recently is a request from the public for us to really face full throttle the drug crisis mm-hmm. and really look at that specifically, um, which I think is really important. And uh, I know that Thurston County, they declared an opioid uh, emergency last year, and yep. they're working to develop an opioid response plan that has you know, parent and family section, a law enforcement section, a treatment section. Um, I'm really interested in learning more about that and, you know, bringing yeah. that into the forefold uh, of the, the public consciousness. Um, so I think more to come on that. Yeah, my uh, last I heard on that is there's a draft plan in the works that will be going in front of the Thurston County Board of Health, uh, hopefully in June, that very closely models the state opioid response plan. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, Max, uh, did you want to talk about the, uh, you know, what can be done to improve perceptions around safety as it pertains to parking? I think you hit on some of it already, but you might have more to say. Well, as as safety um, pertains to parking, it's, you know, really about trying to reduce congestion. You know, if you're downtown Mm -hmm. uh, walking around and folks are driving distractedly trying to find a spot that opens up, uh, they may not parallel park. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, They may not be paying strict attention to who's in the crosswalk. Yeah. Um, You know, it could be, you know, you and your kids. And so, um, yeah, that's that's really at the front of my mind when we're talking about how to how to find the right space for the right uh, the right driver. Um, so, uh, it, so in terms, so the last uh, uh, time these numbers came out around perceptions of safety was in 2017. When's the next time you're going to do that kind of a poll to see if these programs that are in place uh, are working, if mm-hmm. people are feeling safer downtown? Mm-hmm. Um, so the plan was to do the poll every other year. So we did that Elway poll in tw- end of 2017. So the idea would be the end of 2019, early 2018. Okay. Well, I should say also that um, with regards to parking, design is really important. Making sure that lighting is is enough yes. so when people arrive at their destination, they feel safe getting out of their car. Um, if we do proceed with some type of structured parking, I mean, this is very important. You know, for a successful structure that that folks feel safe going into, you know, um, into these these structures. I know that like for a lot of surface lots, a lot of them are dimly lit. Um, so so you know, lighting and design plays a huge role here. Okay. Excellent. Yes. So if, if people already have developed a negative perception of downtown, how do we uh, how do we tell that story? How do we get through that the change the change that we're that we're working on right now that perspective that can build a positive reputation for downtown? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we need to continue working on these substantive changes in programs uh, and partnerships. But an also, emergency response. An emergency response. I mean, yeah. there's a substantive angle to it that we're going to continue. We're devoted to that. Um, and we need to keep sharing those stories. Um, storytelling is so powerful. You know, you had some folks from PBIA and the Downtown Alliance on here. Uh, one of the things they did jointly last year is develop a marketing strategy that's all about sharing positive stories about downtown. And they have a great Facebook and Instagram um, set up, but I would encourage everyone to go to and share those stories. Um, I think, you know, for for the average citizen, uh, I hear so much about how much people care about downtown. Um, and so hopefully, you know, um, that people will continue to learn about 
the things that the city is doing to help make downtown safer, the things that other partners are doing, um, and that you'll factor that into your your um, thinking about downtown and give downtown another chance. Come down for Third Thursday. Come to another event. I loved what Robert Coit, your guest, said about, you know, come down with a friend. Um, and if you have fun, you know, get your authentic positive story out there because uh, we all have a role to play in making downtown a great place and, a, you know, having a great experience. So in the parking industry, there's, you know, there's a couple buzzwords. One is disruption, which is like a real kind of techie thing. But the other one is um, friction or specifically reducing friction. And so parking is typically, you know, it's the first and kind of last thing you do when you visit any place is like you get in your car and either maneuver into or out of a space. And so uh, anything that we can do to make that uh, experience less uh, less of a pain, I think is going to shift the tide, at least for people who who rate the barrier or rate parking as the highest barrier to coming downtown. You know, one of the things, it was a phase one item from the strategy, part of our um, technology aspect uh, was to implement pay by phone. So now, you know, now folks don't have to mess around with the actual parking meter, but they can use their, their uh, mobile phone and, you know, pay for their space. Well, one uh, great aspect of that is that if their appointment runs long, they won't have to run out to their parking space to, Add time to their meter, yeah. um, so it's it's a convenience thing. It's 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 removing all the the pain of of parking that I that I that we're hoping and we're actually seeing this um, currently. We've got I think about twelve hundred uh, unique users each month um, uh, taking uh, uploading the app and using it. Is that this is the kind of thing that's going to change the story about parking downtown? And then when we see the other aspects, especially the phase one uh, items of you know, shared parking, you're using un- underutilized parking uh, parking lots that are owned by you know uh, private businesses that work with the city, or you know opening up pathways with lighting. Um, that these types, you know, being able to find a stall uh, without having to hunt for it and struggle and uh, and curse and be frustrated is, I think, is going to be ultimately huge for for downtown and the story we tell each other. I love the pay by phone. It's really great. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, it's good. Um, all right. So um, wrapping up, um, we've just got one last question here, which you guys have pretty much been talking about this whole episode. Um, how do we encourage a downtown that works for most people? What kind of closing thoughts do you have? Yeah, well, um, you know, when we embarked on the downtown strategy, we knew that we wanted to get as many voices from the community as possible. So we had a very robust public process. And that's, you know, one way for us to get uh, a diversity of perspectives and opinions and thoughts and desires from the community. Uh, And I think there's something for everyone in our downtown strategy. It has these character areas in it, right? Like a family-friendly waterfront and this, you know, eclectic art tech area, an entertainment district along 4th Avenue, kind of the Main Street area from the Capitol to the market and then the Southeast neighborhood area. Um, So, you know, the city is going to continue to implement those uh, strategies and actions. Uh, and then I think, you know, for folks that may be concerned about the regional homeless crisis or how that plays out in downtown, I really encourage people to get involved in our homeless response plan process. We do have a couple workshops coming up. Yeah, when are those? So the next one is April 20th at Olympia High School from 9 to 11 a.m. Sorry, it's 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. And then May 4th at Capitol High School from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. 
Okay. You can also go online to Engage Olympia and share your thoughts and ideas. And, you know, the city's listening. The community work group is listening. And we'll be posting reports of all the meetings and the summaries of engagement online at Engage Olympia. All right. And if I could speak to parking one last time. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> one last time. Yeah, you know, Wait, Max. Is it? <laughs> you always seem to always talk about parking. <laughs> I do. Someone, someone's got to speak for the parking. <laughs> so it's such a glamour. It, it's really, uh, you know, we really want to strike a balance because, you know, with our vision for downtown, we want to have like active pedestrian streets, uh, you know, low traffic, um, you know, lots of things to do. Like ride the bike, uh, ride, you know, ride the bus, ride your bike walk around, um, enjoy yourself. Um, but we still need to figure out what to do with all those cars. Yep. And, you know, there's going to be more cars. And, you know, while I'd love to um, imagine a world where, you know, we take a, you know, an AI uh, driven Lyft or Uber downtown or um, get rid of my car because it costs too much. We're just, we're just not there yet. So trying to strike a balance between um, our principles and also, you know, pragmatism is really key. Yeah, so I think we need to recognize that our economy still relies on parking, but if we can cr find creative ways to deal with the parking supply and parking demand, um, that's really going to move us towards having like a really beautiful pedestrian-focused uh, active downtown that works for everybody. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, guys. Thanks. It was super fun. Yeah, yeah. thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. This has been the Olympia Standard. Uh, you can reach us at theolympiastandard at gmail.com if you have uh, any thoughts, comments, concerns about the volume of my laughter. <laughs> guys, she's really proud of her laugh. Uh, we're also on Facebook at the Olympia Standard and on Twitter at the Oli Standard. Uh, and uh, we uh, are uh, around on the Olympia subreddit, sometimes talking, sometimes lurking generally lurking anymore we are <laughs> produced by the two fine fellows at olympia pop rocks jemmy joe uh cuts out all the awkward pauses and segues that didn't quite make it and his best friend guire mcguire did our theme music all right thank you so much for listening